welcome to episode 57 of the Narrative Wargamer Podcast. I am Tony Rhodes, and tonight I'm joined once again by Mr. Daniel Foley. Hello. And tonight I'm also joined by Jonathan Sharpie. Good evening. And by Mr. Darren Daggers himself. Hello. So, um, welcome everyone to the show. It's nice to have everybody on. Um, we've got, a, I'd say, a bit of a full lineup tonight with all four of us here. Uh, for those who are perhaps newer to the show on YouTube, you may uh, not have heard the voices of um, Jonathan or Darren before, but if you are familiar with the show, um, they have been um, repeat guests in the past. And uh, tonight is going to be a fun episode because it is our first YouTube debut for the Fun Facts episodes Yay! <laughs> so for those of you who uh, are not familiar to this format and uh, this is the first time hearing a fun facts episode you are in for a treat <laughs> these have become somewhat a bit of a hallmark of the uh, the narrative wargamer podcast and are something that we here on the show really really enjoy doing to the point I actually hold uh, Tony's family hostage if he doesn't let me join in. So, okay. I mean, you do literally hold up the recording schedule because you request to be on every one of these shows if yeah. possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, for those who are not familiar with it, basically the Fun Facts episodes are a quiz. It's a law quiz, um, but the way that we do it is that it's based on a particular source material, something new, um, you know, relevant usually to what's been coming out in recent releases. In this case, we're looking at the law in the Tyrannic War Crusade book. So basically everything that's been going on with the events of the fourth Tyrannic War, as we now know it here in 10th edition. Um, but what we do is I have created a series of questions with multiple choice answers, only one of which is true and the others are false. And each of our guests gets to uh, vote and pick on which one they think is the correct answer and which ones are false. And for every correct answer, they get a point. And at the end of the night, we end up with uh, an arbitrary score for who managed to guess their fake 40k facts from their real 40k facts the most. <laughs> It's awesome. And you must play along at home. Please play along at home. It's worth just, I mean, not that you'll win anything, but yeah. Play. You you win good times, memories, and either lots of biomass or the right to live another day, depending on which side of the war you're on. Exactly. <laughs> um, so a little introduction then uh, for those of uh, our viewers, particularly, I would say, on YouTube who have yet to meet uh, Jonathan or Darren. Um, we know, um, Daniel, you've been on a couple of the episodes now on YouTube, and uh, but just for those who this might be their first episode, um, Daniel, tell us a little bit about Garage Hobbit and uh, everything that you do. <laughs> you pronounced it correctly this time. So yeah, uh, Garage Hobbit is my uh, Instagram tag thing. I don't know what they call it. I'm not down with the kids. Um, and I play 40k, lots of 40k, um, I do lots of painting, and this week I am mainly working on my Leviathan box set. Ooh. Mm, topical. And, uh, Sharpie, how about yourself? Um, yeah, I'm, um, uh, I, a 40k player, I've, um, got a, a number of armies, I, I came back after a long time, um, during 8th edition, um, so I'm kind of along for a ride. I, I 
pretty much split uh, my 40k time between hobby and playing the games when I get a chance to. I've played about six games of 10th edition now, um, mainly with my, my Eldar or my Chaos Demons, while I wait for some of the codexes to arrive for my other armies. But I'm enjoying it at the minute. Excellent. And um, for it'll be on screen for people watching the video on YouTube, but where can people find you on Instagram and so on? Oh, you do this to me every time. It's a bit like trying to remember, <laughs> trying to remember your own phone number, isn't it? Right. Um, I think it's j.sharp with an E, 0608. And, and that's that's my, mine and my wife's anniversary. Yeah, it's for anybody who wants to know why it's those digits, it's uh, so I can easily remember the most important day of the year. It's a good way of doing it. Put it in something you use every day and then you'll never forget. Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I say that will... Uh, That'll be on screen for people uh, watching on YouTube, but also will be in the description below for people listening. Yeah, it's um, pretty much the only place I exist as a 40k player, and it's it's pretty much a, a 40k account where I put up the, the stuff that I paint and pictures of games that I've played. Excellent. Uh, and then, Darren, uh, you say you've been on the show before. We, uh, I, I got the chance to first meet you at the one of the Crucible of War events that I was running. I mean, that would have been early last year now, I think, when I first ran that and met you. Um, but yeah, you do some excellent stuff with Bad Boon Orcs, don't you? I do, yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, so my Instagram's uh, Orc Daggers, but it's daggers with A-Z at the end, so it sounds a bit more orky. Um, it's just mostly kitbashing um, Orcs. Um, I do. I have played quite a lot of 10th uh, edition, so I document some of that on there as well. Um, and sometimes post like Warhammer tattoos, because that's what I do for a living, so post some of them up sometimes as well on there yeah they look great the ones that i've seen you do um Perfect. and we, we, we might possibly have you on again in the near future at some point to talk about a, a an all orc 40k event that you went to recently oh yeah or oh, on <laughs> element games it was great just orcs the orcs all weekend it's uh yeah it's i'm hoping to get um the the guy who ran that um on the show as well i've been speaking to him and hopefully it's a thing we're going to make happen soon so we can get uh both you and the pale orc uh, on the show in the near future to talk about that because it sounds like a really fun and interesting event oh yeah it, it really was great nice little like orky themes to the games and stuff as well and everyone's armies were beautiful so i won't say too much so i don't want to spoil it for future episodes <laughs> but yeah it was great so yeah, we're gonna listeners can look forward to that uh, sometime soon, hopefully. Um, but yeah, for tonight then, because we're going into our first fun facts episode from our sort of new format for the show, we don't have any preamble to go through. We've not, we're not really doing a whole catch up on like hobby progress and everything else or games played because uh, we'll keep our formats a little shorter now, so we're more like you know somewhere in the 60 to 90 minutes bracket depending on what we're talking about but that does mean that uh, Daniel we can get straight into it we can get straight into our hilarious law questions yeah I've got my lucky pants on we're all good to go come on <laughs> um, yeah so uh, let's say just quickly for people who perhaps this is the first time listening to one of these we have a couple of rounds um, usually around uh, each of a section of the narrative uh, in the book that we're doing this from so this being the tyrannic war um, crusade book our first section uh, round one is simply called a darkness in the west and uh, our opening quote is 
It began in absence and in silence. So this is all about the fact that the uh, obviously the new large Hive Fleet tendrils that have appeared have now appeared in um, the Segmentum Pacificus over on the western front of the Milky Way galaxy, which is basically somewhere that the Tyranids have not been seen or encountered previously, which is why the Imperium has been caught very much back-footed by all of this. <laughs> and that sort of, like, sets the scene um, at the start of the book and the start of the law for it. Um, it is worth noting that one of the things that they've made a point of with the Fourth Tyrannic War is that this isn't actually just one hive tendril that's invading, it's actually two, which is why it's such a large and significant threat. So whereas before we've had like Hive Fleet Behemoth and Hive Fleet um, Kraken in the first and second wars, and then Leviathan in the third, um, those have all been like three separate tendrils. So in the fourth Tyrannic War, the Imperium is actually facing down two full new tendrils. Now, from a gameplay perspective, as it were, these are also High Fleet Leviathans. So we don't have a new classification of like High Fleet that's the new big bad, but both those tendrils um, have been given uh, a name. So we have Hive Tendrils Nautilon and Hive Tendril uh, Promethor. <laughs> For anyone interested. Well done on that pronunciation, Tony. <laughs> oh, there's going to be a whole bunch of interesting pronunciations throughout this tonight. <laughs> so, to ease us in then, and say, uh, to get an idea for the sort of quiz questions, um, our first question of round one, Darkness in the West. Across the Segmentum Pacificus, growing numbers of deep void servitor satellites and astropathic beacons ceased transmitting data and winked out one after another. However... How did one of the earliest signs of the true nature of the threat first reveal itself within the Morpheum Sector Command Station? Was it A. Gene Stealer Vanguard organisms had infiltrated the station and slaughtered all those aboard? Was it B. That High Astropath Gideoff received a flood of delayed astropathic distress calls? overloading his mind and manifesting as a psychic mass of tendrils, talons, and screaming faces? <laughs> or was it C, a gene-stealer cult uprising overthrew the command station, resulting in a sub-sector-wide conflict between loyalist imperial forces as they were misdirected by the cult in control of the command center? Ooh, they are all very possible. Yes, interesting. I think if I was a Tyranid, let me put my mind into Tyranid. Oh, that was me being a, a lector. Uh, it's dangerous. I, Don't do that. We, we, we know from in-law it is dangerous to put your mind into that <laughs> mind. It is true. Well, do, 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 the, do the others want to go first? Or I'm, I, I, I have a feeling I know which one I want to go for. I think I'm going to go for B because of an overload of scary faces. Sounds quite interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, B, B definitely sounded like the most forty k thing ever, didn't it? Um, but I will um, just, you know, just to keep it interesting. I think I'm going to go for C. 
Oh, well, that's good because I was going to go for it. Was A the Gene Stealers? A was the Gene Stealers. Yeah. I'm going with the Gene Stealers. Classic, classic Tyranid tactics. Gene Stealers. Oh, that's my uh, Gene Stealer <laughs> young girl noise. Well, I am glad this is how we've started out because so this is our first fun facts episode where we've had three guests picking answers. And funnily enough, you've all gone for options A, B, and C respectively. So that's nice that all three options obviously seem feasible and <laughs> you, you've all got a, um, a genuine reasons for believing each of them. And hopefully the listeners um, will appreciate the fact that two of these answers obviously are false. Uh, I've made these up and I've tried to cr- make them as law appropriate and believable as possible, which quite often means coming up with something ridiculous because as we know, the real <laughs> thing is usually pretty ridiculous. <laughs> so... It was. I'm a, a little disappointed, Tony, that there wasn't like Gene Steelers wearing tap shoes or something like that that did a dance number on a space station and everyone went, hmm, that's a bit strange. Maybe we should investigate that. But, you know, I know it's real quiz. Like at the ending of Spaceballs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hello, my baby. Hello. Yeah, that one. That yeah, cool. it's, it's tempting with some answers to be like, here's an obviously fake and incorrect answer and they're like two that are debatable but i like where i can creating like like a full list of believable options so it's genuinely really hard to decide um and i can tell you that for this first question our first point goes to darren with his flood of scary faces it was indeed high astropath gideoff receiving a flood of delayed astropathic distress calls Overloading his mind and manifesting as a psychic mass of tendrils, talons, and screaming faces. That's why they should use call centers. <laughs> well, uh, it didn't end there because then uh, the ramping, uh, the rampaging creature that was the high astropath had then uh, butchered its way through several other astropaths and Minotauran personnel before it was finally put down. Nice. <laughs> So he was literally just screaming and raging and rampaging through the uh, the station. <laughs> awesome. Right. So, question two. In the Byroth subsector, what unexplained phenomenon was later revealed to be the result of an approaching high fleet? So was it A, the light of the Astronomicon being obscured and no longer visible to navigators in the subsector? B, an Aldari craft world and accompanying fleet mysteriously passing through Imperial space for seemingly no reason. Or C, a sudden and unexpected ending of hostilities by an Orqua. Hmm. So I, I'm going to use logic here in 40k, right? So here's my logic. The Astronomicon is facing the wrong way for it to be blotted out by a Tyranid fleet going the other way. It would be a silhouette, not the other way around. Ah, you see what I did there? Physics with my made-up fictional universe. And then, so it's either between the Eldar going, oh, nothing to see here, or the Orcs, in my mind. I don't know. <laughs> Do the others want to pitch in? I mean, I I just hear Eldar and and I'm not going to go for that one. <laughs> going to go with my homies. Well, I, I think I'll have to homies. do the same thing then. Just 
Just they have to go with my homies and choose yeah, the orcs. Yeah, I, I think nothing stranger than orcs stopping fighting. So I'm going to go for that. <laughs> that is true. That is true. That would yes. be alarm bells. Yeah. Which means the orcs stop fighting. So is that, a, is that two votes for C and uh, one Aldari homie vote for the craft builders? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm going for C. Yep. Yeah, I'm going for C as well. Sticking with B. Sticking with B. Yep. Well, I can tell you that it was indeed very strange for orcs to suddenly stop fighting. <laughs> C is the correct answer. A sudden Ooh. unexpected ending of hostilities by an orc war. This was because uh, the Byroff subsector was soon after overrun by the Tyranids that had devoured the Greenskins. Nice. Those Octarius boys are looking better. Okay. Wimps. <laughs> cream, cream of mushroom soup. <laughs> yeah, basically they stopped off at they stopped off at the Greenskin buffet on their way to the rest of the uh, the Byroff subsector. Nice. <laughs> Question three: With the discovery of Hive Tendrils, Nautilon, and Promethor arriving in the Galactic Quest, how did word of the new threat eventually reach Holy Terror itself? Was it A, Aldari emissaries appeared within Terra's orbit to warn humanity of the threat? B, a lone frigate-class ship braved breaking protocol and attempted to land directly in the Imperial Palace? Or C, the infamous former Inquisitor Crippman risked capture and execution in order to forewarn the High Lords of the threat he had predicted was arriving in the Segmentum Pacificus? Ooh. I, th oh, I think Crippen's too obvious. That would be like, I, oh, I, I imagine if Crippen turned up, they'd be like, "Nah, we're not listening to you," and they'll blow him up before we even get to the surface of the planet he was trying to protect. So yeah, not not oh. necessarily known for their forgiving nature, the uh, Imperium, are they? No. I'm, I'm oh, leaning towards the frigate myself. I'm go I'm going to support your homeboys. I'm going to go Elder. Ooh. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go for B because I think B does sound. Yep. Like the one I'd go. For. I'll go for B as well. So, okay. Yeah. Well, I can tell you that uh, Darren is doing really well. He is correct. It's B. It is the lone frigate. So so far, Darren is a. Uh, leading away as it were with this <laughs> all three questions right so far <laughs> oh wow yeah uh yeah the uh, word was brought to holy terror by a lone frigate which braved breaking protocol and ignoring the shipping lanes <laughs> to london imperial palace so um so question four is the ship known as the pinion ignored the established space lanes and headed straight for the palace after being challenged by 20-plus orbital defense platforms and battleships, how did the Pinion avoid immediate destruction and arrive safely at the palace? Was it A, by inexplicably transmitting ident codes with such high clearance that all the personnel involved in processing them were then later lobotomized and repurposed as servitors in order to keep the code secret? <laughs> That's 
why they have so many. <laughs> That's why I have the 20 defense platforms. Because the one that comes, when the ship goes past it, the next one can't remember what's happened because they've been to what? <laughs> well, I think I already, I think I already know which one Dan wants to be the correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> was it or alternatively, you've got two more options, Dan? Just, just, just wait. Or was it by B employing previously undetected hollow field technology never before seen on an imperial vessel? Or was it C? By bearing inquisitorial sigils, identifying it as a vessel of the Ordo Kronos, a branch of the Inquisition thought to have been destroyed thousands of years ago. A. A. Purely on the silliness of it. A. <sighs> Dear. Um. What was B again, Tony? Uh, so B is using uh, undetected holotech technology mm, never before yeah. seen in the game. Seems a bit too coincidental to me. Um, so I think it's... I'm going to stick my neck out and I'm going to go with C on this one. And I think it's the, the, using the inquisitorial seal. I'm going to back down up actually and go with A because I like it. I want to see some of the bottom. It's an older code, but it checks yeah, out. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. I don't know. Just fly casual. You can't, you, you can't cross references like that. The universe will explode. <laughs> like their minds after. It's, it's fine. We'll, we'll just lobotomize everyone that listens to this afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Why have I got no more subscribers? Oh, we lobotomized everyone who listens to <laughs> <laughs> and you might get double the listens what? though because yeah, 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 they can't they can't podcast. <laughs> unfortunately uh, YouTube isn't keen on it if all my subscribers are bots <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> I think it's fair to say that A is definitely the most ridiculous 40k answer to this question which is uh, why it is the correct answer to this question. <laughs> um, <laughs> Cause <it's>... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is a thing so that actually scary. happens. Yeah, that's a thing that happens in the law in Tyrannic War, the fact that uh, the Imperium keeps some of its uh, secret... Um, high protocol uh, security code secret by lobotomizing any of its staff that are used to process the information. So so here's a question. Who lobotomizes the lobotomizers? <laughs> Probably the lobotomized. Do they, do they they get a like, to do it. Yeah, is there like a, is there, and then it goes around in a big circle so they can't remember who's... It's fine, it's fine. There'll, there'll, be, there'll be an entire order of the Inquisition dedicated to this. It'll be the order lobotomo. The order lobotomo. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows about them because they've been the bottom. <laughs> I can't remember where they are. <laughs> I, I, hope you, I hope you. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, well done, brother. You have now progressed to rank two of the order. What is rank two? Resetting to rank one. <laughs> Carry on. I, I think it would be obvious to any of our new listeners or viewers now why it is that Dan wants to be on these shows. Oh, they just make me laugh so much. Uh, I'm, I'm glad they do. I, I, I get some lovely feedback and comments from people on these shows because they get really they're really well received, and I'm I'm so glad because they're so much fun to produce. So yeah. I'm actually in tears. Well, <laughs> so following up then with this, we have question five. <laughs> what? Once the pinion had landed in the palace grounds, and everyone who witnessed it had been lobotomized. Um, <laughs> could, they, could they find it after they left it? Because I can't remember where they found it. Once, once the pinion had landed in the palace grounds, who was it? Who was it that disembarked from the vessel to bring word of the Tyranid threat to Trajan Valorus personally? Was it A, Lord Inquisitor Kyra Draxus, which is the I'm Drake so- Lady Inquisitor from Psychic Awakening, the one who has the model? I'm sorry, to- I'm sorry, Tony. If you say nobody can remember, I will wet myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, your options are, as I say, A, uh, Lord Inquisitor Chirodraxus, B, a trio of the Eyes of the Emperor, ex-custodies turned secret informants, or was it C, Cypher? Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go really boring and serious now. It wasn't Cypher because he's just spent a whole book in the Black Library getting out of terror. So that would be a bit daft if he just suddenly turns up again and goes, hey, you caught me. By the way, Nids. Uh, what was the other two? What were the other two? Um, option A is Lord Inquisitor Chirodraxus, which as I say is the Inquisitor from the Psychic Awakening series, the one with the Drake and the, um, the Sanctified uh, yeah. Shuriken Catapult. Um, or be a trio of Eyes of the Emperor, so the custodies who have retired and gone off and become secret informants. I'm I'm going to go B, because I feel like, again, I'm really being really boring, she would be in the pariah sector, so that's the wrong place. So I'm going to go B. Anyone want to wanna come in on that? So I th- I think it's uh, I'm going to go with A, and it was a, a shocking uh, name drop from uh, Games Workshop uh, in a bit <laughs> to, to sell a model. <laughs> I didn't think of that. <laughs> remember your customers, <clears throat> Dan. Remember your customers. <laughs> I'm torn between A and B because both sound like they'd have like a really high code. Um, I'll probably go with A because. Because of the psychic awakening and the hive mind, and I mean, it is worth noting that Kyra Draxus is a member of the Ordo Xenos, 
for anyone that wasn't aware of that. <laughs> yeah, I'm still, I'm still going B. Cool. With two, two, two votes for Lord Inquisitor, I assume there, Darren? Uh, yeah, that's yeah. yeah. Well, I can tell you, Darren, this is the first question you've got wrong so far. It is, in fact, B. Oh. It is the trio oh. of the eyes of the Emperor. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a bunch of custodies using super-secret custodies code language that nobody's allowed to know except them. <laughs> Don't. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like to think it's just a bunch of uh, janitorial post-its. Just like post-it notes. <laughs> yeah. um, so then finally, uh, our last uh, question of the first round. So this is question six. With the threat of not one, but two new hive tendrils threatening the Imperium, Lord Solar Leontis himself began marshalling the forces of the Astra Militarum for the coming Tyrannic War. As part of his efforts to expedite the solar muster, he bargained, charmed, and threatened political figures into action, and once even had to do which of the following? Was it A, personally win an honor duel, B, win a game of regicide against the High Lord, or C, rename an entire planetary regiment to honor a political rival for their naming day celebration? Oh, you've outdone yourself on this one, Tony. They all sound yeah. spot on. Oh, man, I do not know. Um... I like the idea that you play the game of Regicide. There's always a game of Regicide going on in whatever book you read, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> when they describe someone's quarters, there's always some amasek somewhere and a and a and a, <laughs> and a retired board. You know, that's all you need to know to know that that's where they sleep. Forty <laughs> k black library bingo. Yep. <laughs> a recaf. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, or or if if you're a Kafias Kane man, Tanner, we do like a bit of Tanner. Oh. A bit of Tanner. I was gonna say I was gonna say a Grox bun. That's another one mm-hmm. you always get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, oh. I think I'm going to go for C. I think it sounds very like is that somebody the would somebody would really be like, well, I, you know, like when they've like the ego of someone who quite quite high up and powerful will be like, well, I want something named after me. So. Yeah, I because is he? In, I can't remember. And you guys might be able to tell me this: is he a high lord of terror? No, he's not no, a high he's not, lord. He? He's um, he's a lord. He's, he's a lord solar. He's, so, he's sorry, lord he's solar. Lord solar, which means he's in charge of the guard in the sector solar. Yeah, in the segmentum solar, he's the head of the. Basically, he only answers to the high lord who is in charge of the Astromilitarum as a whole, right. because his so, peers what? would be like Lord Pacificus, Lord Obscurus, right. Lord Nef- uh, Nephilim. And um, Lord. So I, I don't think he would have Ultra. the, 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 the regicide one. Just sounds a bit too. I don't think he would have the clearance, which sounds really silly. But uh, I'm gonna go with the renaming of the regiment because I think that sounds very pompous and imperial. So is that is that two votes for renaming the regiment from Darren and Dan? 
Yeah. And what about Sharpie? What are you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick with my regicide. You go regicide. Yeah. Well, I can say, Daniel, that you are right that I have outdone myself on this question because the correct answer is A, winning a personal honour duel. Oh, well done, Tony. It, nice. was a good, it was a good question. Drawn I in. just like the idea. <clears throat> I like the idea that the Imperium, the, the Imperium, Imperium's fate is decided not with not through armies, not with with tanks and and space marines, but a little game of chess. Just a little game of chess. That'll be. But you you were right, Sharpie, and I was like, what could I possibly do here to be like, what political manoeuvres and things could be involved to muster the guard? And I was like, I bet there's been some stuff that's been decided by games of regicide in the high ranks before. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised um, if the duel was with a regicide board. Yeah, I mean, I was trying to go up with an idea that was like an alternative, but on par to a personal honour duel that wasn't just some yeah. other variety of duel. I was like, what could well, that be? Or they just and or it was a duel and they literally hit each other over the head with regicide boards until one. Got, <laughs> quite, quite not quite, yeah, not quite that mad. However, that is the end of round one. So that was sort of all the general accumulation of events leading up to the major invasion by the high fleets. Round two is called Into the Moor. So this is basically now a selection of anecdotal events that occur out in the um, Segmentum Pacificus as the Tyranids are now basically just ransacking the place before the proper defences <clears throat> are rallied and you know sent forth to try and defend the Imperium. So we've got a bunch of different horrible things happening in uh, different places throughout the, uh, <laughs> the High Fleet's predations. So, question seven. In the Castellil system, new previously unseen bio-vessels appeared in naval engagements. But what was a prominent feature of these new Tyranid bio-ships? Was it A, that they could emit bio-electrical magnetic impulses that could disable Imperial ships and their machine spirits? Was it B, that they were psychically charged bio-vessels boasting cerebral nodes as large as Imperial frigates? in a very big brain move by the hive mind. Or C, they possessed bio-adaptive symbiotic capabilities, allowing them to separate or conjoin at will, forming larger single bioforms or scattering into shoals of smaller bio-vessels in moments. That sounds nuts. <clears throat> yeah, I love sounds... the sound of that C. Yes. C sounds um, awesome. See, I want C. I, I don't know if it, yeah, we're I'm going C. We're all going C. I'm gonna go one. with B. Oh. I'm gonna go with B because I feel like C's too good of an answer. That's probably Tony uh, and his <laughs> capabilities. I think it's gonna be B because it's gonna be a ship that's psychic, a big is, brain on it. Is it? So it's B. Keep the keep using that brain that's on all the new models. Yeah, yeah but, I was gonna say it's B the brain one. I just I think you're trying to draw us in on the fact that all the models have got brains in and you're trying to draw us in there and it's not that one I'm going to stick with C I'm having it Mind you, I wouldn't listen to me because I'm I'm hardly knocking this episode out of the park as it stands so uh... I mean I mean I, I, I just just be careful Tony if, if, if you have got if, if it isn't C right just be careful Black Library don't just suddenly oh and there's this ship that can ah, make sure you've got your writing um 
what is it, uh, copyright infringement or whatever they do for birds. <laughs> like yeah, unfortunately, I don't think I can copyright my own ideas of Games Workshop IP. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, part of the reason why I love doing these shows is because I love coming up with these extra like false answers because they give me some really clever ideas for what things could happen in the setting. Do you know what I mean? Between the factions and the races and everything, and some of those ideas could eventually translate into a tabletop. You know, like stuff either through our own you know narrative play or who knows, you know, might be a big brain move ahead of whatever models eventually come out. Maybe we'll see a symbiotic uh, Tyranid ship in uh, Battlefleet Gothic in the near future. Who knows? You heard but it I... here first, Mark. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> but I can tell you that... Um, so what, we've got we've got Sharpie and Dan going for C with the uh, symbiotic ships and Darren mm-hmm. going for B with the big brain ships. Yes. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, um, I can tell you that uh, it is in fact the big brain ships. Yeah. Oh, Games Workshop oh. likes putting big brains on everything at the moment, including in the law. <laughs> and I love the fact that Darren's side there decided, despite despite the fact that he got it right and got the point. <laughs> Because he didn't want it to be true. Yeah, get some new ideas. Come on. <laughs> but yeah, basically, uh, super big psychic ships uh, or bio vessels uh, have been appearing in the uh, in the naval engagements with the Imperial forces. Uh, these have been dubbed Mind Slayers, and these bio ships have brought crippling paranoia, terrifying hallucinations, and smothering psych- psychostatic that drove human naval crews mad. And then from these bio-vessels poured warrior organisms adapted for psychic combat. So basically, this ship doesn't bring lictors, it brings big brain lictors. It doesn't bring hormigons, it brings big brain hormigons. Grim. (laughs) So watch out for mind slayers. Not to be confused with mind flayers. Just just throw that in there. Well, I still yeah. think you watch out for mind flayers as well, to be fair. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, they're pretty nasty. <laughs> Question eight. The Witcher's Maw is a dense psychoactive nebula long studied by the Inquisition and Adeptus Mechanicus. When the research stations came under attack by Tyranids, the nebula transformed into a nightmarishly whirling dust maelstrom. But what was rumoured to inhabit the nebula that was the source of this transformation? Was it A. Enslavers ensnaring the psycho-reactive properties of the nebula B. A hidden and long-forgotten Votan ancestor core or C. A Xenos species of sentient dust geists that summoned malevolent warp entities so I really want it to be A because enslavers are not used enough in 40k law. And if you right, sorry, I'm going to go off on a law tangent here. If you don't know what enslavers are, look them up. They're pretty awesome. They are like the 40k equivalent of the the. If your planet has an enslaver, you, the whole planet is 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 doomed. They they leech their way into psychers and control them, and then. Basically, then what happens is a big 
like they 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 breach through the warp. They're like warp entities that are not chaos worshipping things. They're like a Xenos creature, and they're really horrible. Look them up if you haven't looked them up. It's tangent over. I wish it was <laughs> them, but more likely, I'm going to go with GW needs to flog more space dwarves. Space dwarves. <laughs> Ran over. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think yeah, I think I'm going to go for B. I mean, yeah, I mean, the the vote town one is does sound feasible, but seeing as everybody else is going for it, and I desperately need to catch up some points, I'm not going to go for that one. I'm going to go for C. <laughs> <laughs> you're good. You're going to go for C, Sharpie. I am indeed. Yes. Yeah. I love the, that uh, logic. <laughs> the Xenos Z- priest of uh, dust ghosts that are yeah. chaos worshippers. And I'm going to kit bash that army starting next week. <laughs> well, you can use this source book as some inspiration because it's true. Yeah! It is the, oh, the Xenos really species of sentient dust geists that summoned <laughs> malevolent warp entities. Ah, cool. <laughs> um, well, but. Yes, Dan. Uh, I, I'm glad I hook, I piqued your interest with the enslavers because I thought, ooh, this is a perfect place for them to possibly exist since it's talking about warp entities but not necessarily demons. And the fact that they are actually using a psychoactive nebula. So obviously the enslavers can manipulate yeah. that. They are horrifying. If you if you read up on the sort of like lore of them, they are absolutely horrifying. And if one ever got to Earth game over it's just <laughs> oh. and uh, on that note if you are looking up interesting um creatures within like the 40k wider bestries look up the catch and barking toad that is also another hilarious yeah. one yeah they're good <laughs> <laughs> but moving on question nine in the kepagan system a horde of mutant orcs prepared their irradiated fleet of orc rocks to launch a war into the neighboring imperial system when they were attacked by the tyranids delighted to find an excellent fight on their very doorstep they abandoned their invasion plans and hurled themselves at the tyranids instead but what was the name of their mutant war boss was it a <laughs> Warboss Osgog, the monster boss of Glowing Rock. <laughs> Was it B, Uruk Badbones, the Scar Boss? Or was it C, Warboss Snaggore Greentooth, the Weird Claw? I, I just like the idea of Glowing Rock because they're radioactive orcs. <laughs> <laughs> Because they glow. That's why they're mutated. They glow in the dark. I'm <laughs> 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 going with that one. <laughs> I love Dan's approach. His vote for which one he wants to be true, <laughs> not necessarily <laughs> which one he thinks is true. <laughs> and, and nine times out of ten, I'm right. <laughs> Um, what was the name of the last one? The last one was Warboss Snaggore Greentooth, the Weird Claw. Weird being spelt W-Y-R-D. So, uh, like Weird Boy. Right. Yeah, I'm going to go with him. I'm going to go with him, too. <laughs> so, like, they'd be wearing, like, radioactive teeth glowing in the dark. Yeah. Exactly. So, we've got, uh, yeah, lit 
the name for the mutant warboss leading the mutant orcs from their irradiated fleet. And yeah, our, our cue options in the names for this is Monster Boss Glowing Rock, Bad Bones Scar Boss, or Green Tooth Weird Claw, all sort of in this, you know, mutant irradiated theming. But I can tell you the official Games Workshop canon name for their warboss is Warboss Osgog, the Monster Boss of Glowing Rock. <laughs> <laughs> is that the one I is that is that the one I went for? That is the one you went for, Dan. Yes! Because <laughs> <laughs> glowing the dark orcs are a thing. Yep, glowing the dark orcs are a ooh, thing ooh. in the law. Right? Plead to the <laughs> listeners, if anyone can paint using uh glow in the dark paint, orcs. Just saying, it would be amazing. Hey, I'd love it, to see it. It's fair to say that Tusker became a very popular community project that's been converted by so many Orc players off about as much information from a supplement or a codex, however it was, back in 4th yeah. edition, as uh, Osgog, the monster killer? boss. Yeah, yeah, Tusker Demon Killer. Yeah. yeah, he's seen the rounds done, you know, in the, in the converting community, so who knows, maybe five years from now we'll be seeing lots of Osgogs and these glowing rock orcs. <laughs> oh, just glowing the dark orcs is just hilarious. I like the idea as well because, like, they're fungal. They're like when they when they spawn, they they don't just make mushrooms. They make those glow in the dark. Yeah, <laughs> that's brilliant. <laughs> oh, please make that happen, internet. Please. We we put things out in the world, Dan. We put it out there if we want it to happen. <laughs> yeah. Question ten. The world of Mostar's Landing is discovered in the midst of anarchy as a gene-stealer cult uprising is raging war against the local population. However, for whom do the local human population now fight for? Is it A. The Greater Good B. The Blood God Corn, or C. Their newly risen Necron Overlords? <laughs> it's not that one. It's not. It's not that one. <laughs> well done for getting a Futurama uh, quote in there, kind of. But no, it's not that one. It can't be. Oh, that's funny. Uh, sorry, chaps. You you go first because I've uh, I've uh, I've been first a lot. So I think it is the they are fighting for. Uh, Lord Corn. I think they've all gone a bit nuts. I like how formal that is. Lord Corn. Yes. <laughs> yep. Corn cares not from whence the blood flows, so long as yep. it is decanted appropriately. <laughs> yes. Yep. I'm going to go for. Uh, the uh, greater good. Uh, I'll go for B. I think corn as well. I think they'll all start losing. Oh no! Versus... Hang on. Sorry, I've changed my mind because I'm, I'm I'm using my logic again. It's the wrong part of the galaxy to be the greater good. So no, I'm going corn. Everybody's going corn. Yeah. Well, uh, you'll be pleased, Dan, to know that your galactic geography saved you at the last minute there again. It is, it is, yes, the blood god Khan. Everyone was either a chaos worshipper or a gene stealer cultist on this particular planet. Ooh. Doesn't sound good for an hour then. 
No, it does not. Um, but yeah, I was wondering, I was like, ooh, Darren's making points about astronomical uh, shadow casting and directions of uh, psychic light earlier to prove his logic, and then he totally forgot that we're in the western part of the galaxy and not the east, where the, the Tau typically are. And then to be. I remembered, I remembered. <laughs> you, you did catch yourself at the end there, well done. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, they got, basically when one of the Imperial fleets reached this world, they found the whole place was in civil war, but none of it was actually in name of the Emperor anymore. <laughs> so uh, what do you do? What do they do? They just stand around and go. I can tell you exactly what they did because uh, the next oh, line. What do they do? What do they do? What do they the do? next line is the world was simply marked for future exterminators, and Imperial forces <laughs> swiftly moved on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to see here. Yeah. Move along. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh, good. We don't need to bother de- uh, stopping here. We can just move on to the next one, and uh, we'll send someone to exterminate to start later when we get a chance. <laughs> um, and then, last question for round two: The Imperial Hive World of Shakar is discovered along with a strange tyrannid structure not seen before in Imperial records. Close investigation proved impossible due to massive Tyranid counterattacks, but what was this alien structure? Was it A, a crystalline tower formed of a substance previously only seen in trace amounts in rare Tyranid bioweapons? B, a continent-sized cerebral nexus of unknown purposes? Or C, the planet itself was enfolded within a colossal biological membrane-like structure. Have you just suggested one of those with a continent-sized brain? Well, a, a suggestion of a continent covered in large brains. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't want to believe it's that one, but I'm going to go for it. Yeah, we're going for brains, Tony. Um, I'm going to go for B. Brains. Uh, no, is it the tower? The tower is A. Oh, sorry. What was B? Sorry, it was B brains. <laughs> B is for brains. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. This episode oh. of Sesame Street we've ever seen. That one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at the end of the episode it's all for naught because everyone gets lobotomized yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, gene stealer ah 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 so Darren you, are you going for A you say the, the crystalline tower uh yeah, well, is that like where it's like you said unknown origin? Don't know what it's. It's yeah. The crystalline tower is formed from a substance previously only seen in trace amounts in rare Tyranid bioweapons. Uh, yeah, I'll go with that one. Well, I can tell you, Darren, that um, the trace substance crystal that is being referred to is the same material is found in the Swarm Lords Bone Sabers, the uh, extra galactic mm. crystals which are not found within the periodic table in the Milky Way galaxy. That is true. The answer of a crystalline tower, however, is not. <laughs> um, the correct answer to this is, in fact, C. The entire Aww. planet itself is enfolded in a colossal biological membrane-like structure. 
Ooh. Ooh. That's weird. It is weird. The Tyranids have literally wrapped this planet in sort of like a Sim skin, and nobody knows why or how. Um, however, Orga probes have detected vast quantities of non-Tyranid life signs held in biostasis beneath the membrane. And this is originally... Zoots! An... Zoots! <laughs> it's Zoots! It's going to be Zoots! <laughs> it's definitely Zoots! Can't well, be anything other than Zoots! <laughs> to be non-Tyranid biology that's actually down there. I don't know. technically what to... they're non-Tyranid biology. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you, Dan. All I can tell you is that a planet wrapped in a Tyranid membrane is an actual thing in the law. Wow. <laughs> and, and and as I say, Darren, the, the crystal that I was re- referring to is actually a thing um, that is in Tyranid law, but it's they've not so far built an entire structure out of that uh, mineral, whatever it is they, they get it from or wherever they get it from. Uh, but it is not of the Milky Way galaxy. Mm. Um... So yeah, that, I think that's a very interesting um, point in this book. Just like what on earth the Tyranids doing with this planet because it's so out of character for anything they normally do, which is obviously not just strip the whole thing. Yeah, like no idea what they're doing with this and what those life forms are believe the surface. I mean, presumably the implication is that it's all the Imperial citizens or a lot of them since it was a hive world they've done this to. I but <laughs> but I, I know what you mean about Zotes, how they are sort of like, depending on what the latest retcon is with them and all that, they are slash aren't Tyranid emissary creatures that aren't technically Tyranids and stuff like that. It'll be interesting to see where Games Workshop goes of it. Maybe, then, maybe. I like the. May, sorry, Tony, but maybe it's like a reverse ant farm. So it's the Tyranids, like having sea monkeys and it's like their own version of little sea monkeys <laughs> and they go Ooh, and they look after them and they feed them and then they get new ones when they die well uh, or, I mean, or the little tyranid spaceship is really upset when they die and then the tyranid parent turns around and goes well what should we do and then goes to the the human pet shop to buy a new one that looks exactly <laughs> the same as the other ones and then goes look so the whole we've just discovered why the tyranids are invading it's it's purely um to make sure that their, their Tyranid child is not upset, because they had to flush the old planet down the toilet. Um, <laughs> yeah, domesticating exactly domesticating <laughs> the human yeah. race as children's appropriate pets. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I could write sure. the Black Library. You, you do that, Dan. You make some submissions. <laughs> I did. Like the idea of the Big Mac brain. Just... <laughs> I, I wish you all the best in that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, uh, moving on to our third and final round. Now, I will let you know that in this round, there is a section for the name game, which uh, listeners of previous episodes will be familiar with, but we will get there shortly. Round three is called Grendelus Rising. Now, this is because after all the um, chaos and mayhem of these hive fleets turning up unannounced and just wrecking up Imperial space, um, all the Imperial reinforcements and um, Lord Soleontis had basically established a, a perimeter. You know, like, these planets will be our anchor worlds, and this is where we will fortify things before the Tyranids get here, and then we will fend them off. Um, this is where we'll make our stands. In particular, um, the 
uh, the world of Sanctum, uh, which is actually a Space Marine chapter homeworld for the White Templars chapter, became the the key anchor world. So where all of Imperial command, um, like of the war zone, was being uh, directed from. So that's where Trajan Valoris was leading um, the custodies from. It's where Leontis had his command staff all set up, and the Space Marine collective, you know, chapter masters and so on, were all leading the defense of the. Uh, Segment of Pacificus. And all this was planned and logistically organized around the idea that these two hype fleets were approaching from the west. Until word reaches a sanctum that there, turns out there is in fact a third hive tendril approaching. Oh. And this is hive tendril Grendelus. And it is not approaching oh. directly from the west. It is direct. It is in the segment of Pacificus, but it is approaching from below the galactic plane. Um, oh, insert and... your alien quotes here. <laughs> yeah. And basically, um, its dire- uh, trajectory is going to be coming up more or less behind all the anchor worlds. Um, so as a result of this... Um, Leontis basically orders everyone to fall back to Sanctum. Just like all Imperial forces in all the Anchor Worlds, those that can return to Sanctum now, we're making Sanctum the absolute like linchpin and anvil where we're gonna try and uh, hold off all the Hive Fleets and uh, Hive Fleet, uh, um, Hive Tendril Grendelus uh, was coming for them. So, that's a gibby. Uh, yeah, I'll give you all that information. That's just like the next that's basically the 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 halfway through twist of the storyline it's like there's not two tendrils which was bad enough there's actually three and it's messed up all of the imperium's plans so question 12 uh, the start of round three in the gallo spire system the imperial civil war known as the war of closed eyes was fought over what a the belief that the wider Imperium had abandoned them to their fate. B. The continued denial of the existence of Hive Tendril Grendelus at all. Or C. The possession and control of the few surviving Imperial navigators. So this was the civil war known as the War of Closed Eyes. Ooh, Tony. Uh, so closed eyes as in suggesting that they were completely ignoring uh, this high fleet tendril a little, little bit like there, 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 there. you can't we refuse to believe it's there so I'm going to go for B they refused to to admit that it was coming so Sharpie you are picking up on the theme of these answers the idea being all of have a reference to closed eyes so, yep. you know, A, the belief that the wider Imperium is, like, closing its eye to the plight of this system yep. and be like, yeah, we're just going to pretend they don't exist, leave them to their fate. B, the belief that there's a civil war over part of the Imper- uh, the Imperials on the world in the system denying the existence of this third high fleet at all versus those who are saying, you're idiots, it's real, we need to deal with it. <laughs> or C, the control of the navigators who famously have their closed third eye and they are the key... Um, thing that's important for escaping the system because it is doomed because this high fleet is coming. Oh, um, I mean, they're all really good. Yeah, um, they are all really good. I'm going to go with navigators because 
third eye. That's um, maybe I'm taking that too literal. But... It's okay. The Imperium's not. Uh, is the Imperium known or not known for literal naming conventions, Dan? That is the question. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean yeah. <laughs> so I'm yeah. going to go for C as well. That wasn't my first choice with the uh, the third eye. I was listening to a uh, little lore video on them the other day, so it seemed quite fresh in my mind. Yeah, I'm sticking with B. <clears throat> uh, and Dan, uh, which one did you say you were settling on? I was going with the, the um, navigators. The navigators, is, cool. Yeah, literal third eye type thing. Well, it was in fact... B, the war over the continued denial of the existence of the High Fleet Tenderer. <laughs> Come back, baby! Oh, Come back! So, so imperial, isn't it? Yeah, they oh, literally. La, 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 they... Not listening. Yeah, la, 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 la. Um, yeah, uh, members of the Ecclesiarchy that were basically the, the Ecclesiarchy's uh, purview was that the High Fleet didn't exist and that they were you know, that was ridiculous. <laughs> the, you know, the imperial Imperial Dogma and Command could not possibly have. Uh, got this wrong and been out outmaneuvered and uh, by the high fleets these beasts so uh, yeah they just believed it wasn't real they, they decreed it was heresy to suggest it was real right did they still believe that when they were being nibbled on <laughs> <laughs> um some of them probably did but probably most of them didn't they probably most of them probably regretted of my yeah. imagination most of them probably regretted their life choices Oh, um, there is actually a line in there about um, even when the Tyranids had appeared, um, some of the staunch believers still insisted it was a conspiracy where it was uh, members of the radical groups that suggested the Tyranids were real um, had actually just collected menageries of exotic alien creatures and unleashed them. (laughs) (laughs) It's just just Dave! He's dressed up as a lictor! (laughs) He's just got a couple of sheets and some spaghetti for a face. He's fine. It's not real. <laughs> well, they scream at eyes. Fine. He's putting it on. It's ketchup for blood. It's fine. It's almost very. Um, uh, what was it? Sort of like um, uh, British society scientists first discovering the uh, duckbill platypus in Australia. They believed it was a hoax. Yep. They're like, this can't be real. So this whole idea that you know these biological creatures that have been set upon them were clearly just. Yeah, they're horrible alien monsters that these people have collected and unleashed on us, but they're not tyrannids. That's impossible to suggest. <laughs> so yeah, the war of closed eyes, because they refuse to acknowledge the existence of the tyrannids currently eating their eyes. <laughs> <laughs> However, uh, at the actual siege of Sanctum itself... Um, so, question 13. The Dawn Wall was a strategic defense asset that protected the world of Sanctum from invasion in the void of space above the planet. But what was it? Was it A, a series of fortresses and gunnery stations built and grabbed tethered into a vast asteroid field? B, a suborbital artificial planetary defense ring armed with gunnery stations and defense platforms? Or C, the shattered remains of one of Sanctum's moons, now orbiting the world and weaponized with gunnery stations and defense platforms. That's not a moon. (laughs) I beat you. (laughs) 
dear. It's an oldie, but it's a goodie. Yep. It checks out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So what we're saying here, Tony, is what it's irrelevant because they all had gunnery platforms on them. <laughs> the functionally, yeah, functionally the same, but is it basically a an asteroid, yeah, a weaponized asteroid field, a weaponized artificial ring, a bit like the one in the artwork around Mars, you know, that sort of like yeah. um, uh, man-made yeah, no, satellite ring, or C, is it the remains of the moon that have now been weaponized? Uh, I'm going to go asteroid belt. Yeah, I'm going to go asteroids. Yeah, I mean, that was my feeling, but uh, in the interest of just keeping this interesting, I'm going to go with uh, not the moon, but the one that was in the middle, which was the, the belt, wasn't it? Yeah, the artificial defence ring, so it's sort of yeah. like a planetary ring, but it's all man-made. Yeah, I'm going to go with that one. Well, that one is very cool, Sharpie, but I am afraid this is the classic Games Workshop weaponized asteroid field <laughs> that appears in a lot of Warzone books in some shape or form. <laughs> Fair enough. So it's a drinking game. The Dawn Wall. <laughs> now, given that this is a commonly used practice throughout the Imperium, question 14. Sanctum Command was under no illusions that the Dawn Wall would halt the Tyranny attack. <laughs> oh dear! It, it... <laughs> Do they never learn? No. <laughs> I blame Gilliman for this. I blame Gilliman for his promo video. Everyone saw the tenth edition promo video and thought, "Ah, everything's fine. What a speech!" Like all the 40, in the forty first minute, they saw the promo video. He's like, "Oh, what a great speed! You'll be fine," uh, and that's why they're in trouble. It's because they saw the tenth edition promo. Video. <laughs> well, so yeah, do, um, commander under no illusions, the Dormall would halt the turn attack. It was a purely delaying measure designed to inflict as much damage as possible before it was overrun. As such, it was largely operated by what? A pre-cogitated machine spirits, B, penal troops, servitors, and volunteers looking for a martyr's death, or C, chapter serfs of the White Templars chapter and local PDF troops. And for those who don't know, PDF is Planetary Defense Force, which is essentially sort of like uh, not quite as trained Astra Militarum, but it's the forces that are governed by the planetary governor purely for the defense of that world, rather than being tied to the Imperial Guard. Not not to be confused with uh, documents. Yes. <laughs> other, for, other formats of military defenses are available. Yeah, other, other formats. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm going to go with the Martyr's Death ones. That's that's B, yeah. isn't it? I think, I think it's B. Yeah, I think they, they stuffed them all on the planetary defence. and uh, That would be penal troops, servitors, yeah. and volunteers looking for yeah. Martyr's yeah. Death. Yeah. What do you reckon, Darren? Uh, well, my first thought was B, um, but it could be interesting, I'll go with C. <laughs> the chapter serves. <laughs> yeah. uh, I can tell you that um, 
Again, this is a very popular Games Workshop trope. Fill it full of martyrs and criminals. <laughs> it was indeed the penal troops, servitors, and volunteers looking for a martyr's death. <laughs> Question 15. Once the Tyranids inevitably reached the surface of Sanctum, the defenders fell back to defensive positions and held out as long as they could before being overrun. You can see a theme to the uh, the Tyrannic War. <laughs> uh, the Olvenback line fell in a day after which of the following occurred? Was it A, the Death Leaper inexplicably managed to infiltrate the sealed command bunker, slaughter everyone within, and leave again without breaching the seals? B, a single soldier was infected by a parasite of Mortrex and then toppled through an open bunker hatch before it was sealed shut. Oh, oh that's grim! <laughs> or C. Oh, sorry, that's just horrible. Or C. A trio of uh, a trio of Nero tyrants caused the defenders to be driven mad by the paranoia and hysteria of the shadow and the warp, turning on each other and slaughtering themselves in a frenzied panic. Oh, they're all quite grim. They're all quite good, aren't they? Yeah, they're all good. I, from my reaction alone, it's got to be Parasite of Mortrex because there just isn't enough Parasite of Mortrex. Um, yeah so again for anyone not familiar this is the winged tyranid who is known for um, basically inf um, infecting um, other beings with um, ripper eggs which then gestate and burst out of them alien style you know bunches of rippers everywhere it's worse it's not one it's lots yeah. <laughs> and they yeah. eat yeah, yeah, their yeah, way many. out it's really grim. It's really grim. Pretty nasty. I think uh, I'm going to go with A. Um, and I think there's a new Death model Leaper. for for Death Leaper, isn't there? So uh, there I can imagine they they snuck they snuck a story in for him somewhere. So I'm going to go with Death Leaper and his magical uh, way of infiltrating uh, without and without breaking the seals. <laughs> Yeah, it's got it's got strong uh, Deathmaster Snitch vibes, doesn't it? Yes. From, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, A was my first choice on that. I think my going with logic of new model uh, it does sound cool. It's like good a logic. cool little stealthy. So is that a uh, two picks for Death Leaper, one for the poor poor parasite victim? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Well, I can tell you that the uh, the correct canon uh, answer in the law is a single soldier being infected by a parasite of Mortrex oh. and then toppling into an open bunk hatch. Nice That's one. Horrible. There's a there's a fun little line with this anecdote that says uh, the last transmissions from the doomed bunker were described as naught but screams and chewing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh, it's a little yeah. There's some of your grim dark in your forty k law. <laughs> yeah, whoever said they were kidifying some of the Lord? I mean, 
lobotomized people for just taking a telephone call and and somebody falling in who's infected with parasites just like grim uh, question 16 how did one colossal tyranid swarm hide its advance upon unsuspecting defenders was it a a winged was it a a winged swarm masked its approach behind a high altitude spore cloud released ahead of its advance is it b a subterranean swarm went undetected as its presence was mistaken for collapsing tectonic faults or c a swarm of amphibious and chameleonically adapted gene stealer organisms approached defenders in the polar regions from beneath the frozen oceans. Or D, they tiptoed. <laughs> uh, they're all, again, very good. They're all, yeah. they're all very um, logical. Or, you know what I mean. They're all very plausible. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm going to go with A, I think, flying. Maybe. I'm going to go with C, Gene Steelers, because we haven't heard much for them lately. Uh, and just, I'll go with B then. Just because they're all plausible, let's, let's one of us at least get the point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is, is this becoming a players versus a DM scenario now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stuff you wrote. Well, I can tell you that uh, this is a point for Sharpie. It was, in fact, yeah. a, subterranean, a subterranean swarm that large that its burrowing activity was just mistaken for earthquakes. <laughs> they were just like... Oh, they look stupid now, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it did not go well for the defenders when uh, <laughs> all those tyranids came bursting through their underground defences. Oh, dear. And now, moving on to one of Dan's favourite parts of the quiz, we have the name game. <laughs> so, um, a little different to previous versions of the name game, we're not going to be doing a point per correct answer. We're going to keep a, a miniature tally, and uh, whoever gets the most correct answers in this uh, mini round will then score um, two points. And uh, if we have a, a clear second place, they'll score one point. So just again for any listeners or viewers who this is their first Fun Facts episode, uh, the name game is uh, a similar micro version of these questions where I present a selection of names from the law and uh, everybody has to guess whether or not it's true or false. Now this could be names of characters or places, um, weapon types. We've had um, Space Marine chapters in the past was a theme. Well, um, tonight it is... Uh, a series of names for different locations on the world of Sanctum. So tonight's name game is called Imperial Designation or Heavy Metal Album. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, are these actual heavy metal albums as well? Um, yep. Please say they are. <laughs> yes, they are. Oh, so amazing. We've got a number of names well, I here. May have, I may have an advantage on this, not because I know the 40k law. <laughs> Uh, yes, yeah, so I've got a bunch of names here, and they are either the name of some Imperial installation as part of the defense of Sanctum, some location on the world, or it is the name of a heavy metal album. 
Now, these are ones that I've pulled from like um, like the you know metal bands wiki and stuff. So it's it's, it's not going to be things like from Metallica or whatever. You know, <laughs> it's not going to be Bolt, things that I assume you Bolt, would know. It's not Bolt Thrower. It's not Bolt Thrower either. I was. <laughs> I think you might have guessed something like The Great Game, you know, being an album <laughs> from them. <laughs> um, but no, um, so we're going to run through a couple and say I'm going to keep a, a separate score to see who gets the most correct true or false answers to get the points for this question, as it were. So we'll start with, um, first up, we have Star Smiter. Oh my god. <laughs> no, wow. This is the best round ever. Oh my god. Matt. Oh my god. See my gut instinct tells me that, that that's not a location, but then I've I've listened to this uh, this game numerous times and now I'm se- severely doubting myself. I'm, I'm going to say metal, that that is a heavy metal album. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna go with false on that one. I think. Yeah. So everyone believes Star Smiter is a heavy metal album. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you that uh, this is true. This is the Star Smiter Orbital Defense Battery. No, <laughs> no way. <laughs> no. <laughs> yep. Remember, Sanctum is uh, is also a uh, chapter homeworld for the White Templars, so this does mean there is a Space Marine Fortress Monastery there. <laughs> I know, but still. So the, yeah, on, the, it's isn't it? The Star Smiter <laughs> Orbital Star Defense Spider Battery. Defense. I mean, it's a little bit overboard. <laughs> but is it? It's 40k. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but still. <laughs> Oh so, my god. Our second name is simply The God Slayer. Oh. oh, that's gotta be a heavy metal band album. Surely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think especially if there's only one god and it's the god emperor, I think. Yeah, this is this is this is hard. It Penny. is. <laughs> it is. I'm gonna I'm gonna say heavy metal band album. Yeah, I'm going to go with false on that one. Right, well, I'm going to go true, because, you know, at some point someone's going to have to score some points. <laughs> if I just do the same as everybody else, we'll all just score the same. So I'm going to gamble, well, and I'm going to go and say that that is a location. <laughs> uh, the God Slayer is, in fact, a heavy metal album. It is by, <laughs> it is by Otep, an American heavy metal band formed in 2000 in Los Angeles, California. I love how you have the fact. Yeah, I think that's. that's very I, cool. I need to make it seem legit. Like I need to sort of quantify the fact that I've cited these as actual albums released by you know, <laughs> yeah. some band somewhere in the real world. Some like? band somewhere. Oh, oh so, that's amazing. Uh, our third name is uh, Crooks Harbor. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, true. Yeah, my gut instinct is that's true. That doesn't sound heavy metal enough for a, for an album. I'm going to go false just to be contrary. <laughs> well, 
uh, Crooks Harbour is true. It is one of the. Ah. It's basically the major. It's the major starport for Sanctum. <laughs> uh, next, we have the Coral Tombs. Oh, um. oh. Yeah, that's true. I'm going to go heavy metal band again. I'm just going to keep going heavy metal. Band. Yeah, I, I think that's a heavy metal album. Yeah. Um, I'll go with true because I'm thinking seismic activity may have tombs. It's my logic. No problem. Well. I could tell you that the Coral Tombs is, in fact, a heavy metal album. Yay! It is by a band called Ahab, a German funeral doom metal band founded in 2004. <laughs> that's not even a genre! Surely you can hire them to play your funeral. Doom. Say that again! A- a- Ahab. A-H-A-B. No, 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 the genre! Oh, the a-, genre. a German funeral doom metal. I'm looking this up. <laughs> Where's my phone? I just like the idea that they only play at funerals. You can yeah. hire them if you want. It, no, but it's got to be very doomy. Carry on. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just intrigued by the genre. Um, well, next up, uh, our next name is Voff's Reach. Oh, that's good. <laughs> um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with true. It is a planet. I also agree. I think that's a, that's a place name. Because because the, the G Dubs love a good reach. Yeah. Well, just to cla- just to clarify, Dan, all all these names that are true, they're all locations on Sanctum. So we're not looking for planet names. We're just looking for different locations. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just, I'm just saying that GW okay. love a good reach. Yeah, they do. Sanctus <laughs> Reach, Black uh, Reach, Black Reach, Black Reach. That that lesser known planet, Reach, Reach. <laughs> You're reaching reach now. Reach for the stars. Um, I won't say another one that's come to my mind. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get around to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> family show, family show. <laughs> uh, wow. Sorry, just looking up some more Doom, funeral Doom. There's, there's quite a few. More than one? It's a, it's a whole genre. <laughs> apparently. It's a whole genre. I found a site that's 30 best Doom. Funeral doom or do funeral metal pants. <laughs> <laughs> this this podcast is turning into anarchy. <laughs> well, so answers on Voss Reach then. Yeah. What, what are we saying, sorry? I think I'm gonna say fault. I think I'm it's real. Go true. Yeah, I'm gonna say true. I can tell you that Voss Reach. Is true. It is the main equatorial yeah. forested region of Sanctum. Yeah. And then next we have the heights of Artorus. Oh, that's a metal. Oh, band. come on! Yeah, oh, that's, that's got to be metal. Got to be a metal. 
That has got to be a metal album. This is the best one of these, Tony, by far. This is the best <laughs> naming round we've ever done. Yeah. What do you reckon, Darren? Um, yeah, I'm going to go metal. Everyone's going metal on this one. Yep. Yeah. Well, I can tell you that the heights of Artorus is the mountain range that the Fortress Monastery is built in. No! <laughs> <laughs> that is a legitimate in-law location on Sanctum in the Tyrannic War. DW are in the wrong game! They're in the wrong game! They should be writing, instead of doing toy soldiers, they should be writing metal band names. <laughs> So next up, we have the name simply Hold Fast. All one word. Ooh. Mm. I'm going to go metal band again. Metal, metal album. <clears throat> yeah, it sounds like it could be like a hardcore album, but uh... I'll, go with, I'll go with True on that one. Yeah, I, true. I, I'm getting some wrong, so I'm gonna... yeah, yeah, I think it's a metal album. So just Darren. Oh, I, I, I think it's uh, true. Yeah, just Darren thinks it's true. Okay. Uh, no, uh, uh, what did I? Yeah. No, I think yeah. I said it was a metal. Yeah, I think it's a metal album. Okay, I can tell you that Holdfast is the name of the Fortress Monastery. No. <laughs> There it is, That's correct. The laziest, laziest writing <laughs> I've ever heard. We need to hold something and fast. Let's call it hold fast. Ah, but oh, Dan, yeah. you say that. You criticise the name of the, uh, the Fortress Monastery, but you just praised them for the location of the Fortress Monastery. Yeah, I'm, I, I feel like that was at the bottom Heights of the of name. Tower, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like they gave in trying to come up with a good name after they got the mountain range. Yeah, they were like, we're done now. We're done now. Yeah, it's a long uh, walk. It's a long hold fast. Walk. Hold fast. Let's go for lunch. Yeah, lunch. we're done with lunch time now. Yeah. <laughs> so, at By this... the way, what you're listening to? Oh, I'm listening to some funeral doom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very inspirational. Well, you'll be, interestingly, at this point in the name game, all three of you have all got three points each in the name game. So, all, all tied up at this point. So, next we have. Creed of Vengeance. <laughs> metal. Yeah, I'm putting yeah, down. Metal. I'm going metal band. I'm going metal. Metal album. <laughs> well, you are all unified again in your answers. This is uh, false. It is a metal album. You are correct in that sense. <laughs> this is uh, Creed of Vengeance by Smolder, an underground epic doom metal slash power metal band based in Toronto, <laughs> Canada. Power metal? Yes. Epic, epic doom metal. Doom. <laughs> doom. Not just doom, Tony. Not just doom metal. Epic doom metal. Do they get to decide that they're an epic doom metal band or does somebody else give them that for you? <laughs> I'm drinking tea almost spat that across the street. It's, it's an honorific decided yeah. by a council. <laughs> I don't want to be a doom band. I want to be an epic doom band. <laughs> well, <laughs> our, our next one, Dan, uh, our next name, 
in the name game. All, 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 all one word. Is this an imperial okay. designation or a heavy metal album? Data Elysium. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear me. <laughs> it's like the Data Kraken. Data Kraken. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> they're gonna haunt me for the rest of my life. Ah, <laughs> uh, how we love the Data Canyon. We love the Data Canyons. I'm gonna go true. I'm gonna go true. <laughs> I think it's a heavy metal album. Uh, I I think it's Planet or whatever it is that we're doing now. Oh, <laughs> what about you, Darren? Can I hear it again, Tony? All one word, Data Elysium. <laughs> uh, metal. Let's go metal on that one. I'm so unsure, but we'll go with metal. So, um, Sharpie and Darren, you're both saying it's metal. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you that you are correct. It is a heavy metal album. Oh, <laughs> it is by it is by the Zenith Passage, an American technical death metal <laughs> band. <laughs> what? <laughs> what passage? <laughs> I think that's around the corner from the reach. <laughs> To reiterate, Data Elysium is a heavy metal album by the band The Zenith Passage. Oh, not Zenith Passage. Zenith as in Xenophil, like Xenophil Highlight. Yeah, no, that's not a bit of laughing about. I know, I know. And Dan, they are an American technical death metal band. From Los Angeles, <laughs> California, founded in 2012. I think you'll find that we're a technical metal uh, <laughs> <little> band. <laughs> we're currently in the process of applying for our Epic Yes. <laughs> yes. There's three more albums that we can qualify for Epic status. <laughs> we're nearly there we're nearly there we've just got a few more names to get through I'm just, I'm just going to point out I'm painting marines at this point I've ruined them well it's, it sounds like they're all going to be noise marines by now yeah oh my god our next name imperial designation or heavy metal band all one word dysporium oh that's good that's good what would Dysphorium be? A town? A harbour? Mm. Yeah, I'm not convinced that's a place. I, um, we've done a couple of heavy metal, haven't we? Right, now I'm true. I'm going to go with true. I'll go with yeah, true. I'm, I'm going with true. <laughs> well, again, you're all united and you're all correct. Dysporium is, it's essentially one of these like, no details locations it's just listed as in like, the Tyranids overran X, Y and Z locations uh, Dysporium right. was one of them <laughs> but uh, 
on the previous uh, question, Dan, it is worth noting that when I found the the metal album uh, Dear to Elysium, I thought I have to include this for Dan. Yeah, I thought you you would. <laughs> and it sounds believable given our past history of uh, sound, actual yeah, it locations. Does sound <laughs> okay. Uh... Next up, we have um, Shades of Sorrow. Oh, that's a that's an album. Ooh, it does. It does sound. It's like an album, doesn't it? Like it's the slightly quieter third album. (laughs) Yeah, that's a lot of cool. Yeah. Ooh. Well, melancholy. Let's call it Shades of Sorrow. Is it their? Is it their B side? Yeah. 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 Um. Oh dear me! I'm I'm going to say it's true. I'm going to say true. I imagine no, like going album, a very yeah. hilly, cliffy place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I could tell you that uh, Shades of Sorrow is a heavy metal album <laughs> by the no. band Crypta, a Brazilian death metal band formed in 2019. Mm. <laughs> Now, Not at this ever. point, we've, we've got um, we've got three names to go, and you've all tied it up again. All three of you have got six points in this mini round. <laughs> three questions to go. Or three names to go, rather. The first of which is... Oasis's of Fire. Can you say that again? <laughs> so, it's the plural of Oasis. So, Oasis's of Fire. Well, surely that would be Oasis, regardless. Sorry, I'm getting into the grammar of it now. Would you say Oasis is? It, it's spe- Oasis. unless I unless I've mispronounced it, but it's spelled O A S. No, 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 no. I, I'm sure. I'm, it's like with fish. Oh, like Oasis. Fish. Fish. Oasis. Oasis. Okay, perhaps that's how it's pronounced. Oasis. Oasis of fire. Oh, <clears throat> the comeback album. <laughs> no, that's a real place. I mean, I mean, in my fictional universe, that's a, that's a real place in my fictional universe. <laughs> it's that's a real true. fake place. Yeah, it's a real fake place. I, I would guess that it was a real place too. <clears throat> uh, yeah, I'm gonna go true on that one. Well, you are all united, and you are all correct. The, the oases of fire are a location on Sanctum. <laughs> then our penultimate name is all one word Shroud Wall. Ooh, interesting. Could be either, easily either. I'm going to go with true. I think that that is a heavy metal album. Oh, I'm going to go with heavy metal album as well. (laughs) Well, that means there's a split decision here. And the point goes to Darren, because Shroudwall is location on Sanctum. Done. (laughs) And then our last name for the name game round. 
all one word is this imperial designation or heavy metal album necromantium <laughs> that's a that's, that's an a metal album. that's an album, that's an album. yeah <clears throat> actually do you know what just because they've gone for album i'm gonna go for true place in my fake fictional world so so sharpie and darren you're saying that's an album yeah that's an album but can i just let it be known that i would have gone album but i just want to be contrite well uh thankfully dan that does mean that splits up the scoring neatly for us for this round because we have a first second and third uh, place all by one point nice. um and i can tell you that necromantium is a heavy metal album so yeah, there's a point to darren and chappy but it has special place on this list and it had to be included because necromantium is in fact a metal album by the band counterfix Oh, oh, cool. <laughs> An American deathcore band formed in 2005 from San Diego. There you go. <laughs> I was like, there's no way I'm not including uh, an album by the band Carnifix in the Tyrannic War <laughs> quiz. <laughs> so, at the end of the name game round... That means that Darren ends up winning it with nine correct answers there, uh, getting him two points in the actual scoreboard. Sharpie comes second with eight points, earning him one point in the scoreboard. And unfortunately, Dan scores nothing because he wanted to be contrite. Yeah, exactly. Now, that does mean that, um, one, first of all, this is one of our longest episodes now on YouTube. But we have three questions left to the end of the quiz. And as it stands, uh, in first place, currently, we have Darren with nine points, followed closely by uh, Daniel with eight points. And only just behind that is Sharpie with seven. So it is really close. All three of you are still in it. (laughs) So uh, these questions now, these last three questions sort of pertain to the actual... um, Assault uh, on Holdfast, the actual mm. fortress monastery, where obviously everything was <laughs> accumulating to its uh, conclusion of the siege, as it were. Um, so, question 18. During the assault on Holdfast, which of the following was responsible for the destruction of the fortress monastery's mountain peak command centre? Was it A? A non-emissary compacted its colossal bulk into the confines of a decommissioned turbo lift and crawled up the abandoned shaft for hours before no. bursting into the command no. center. No, no, Tony, that's too obviously not. No, no, I'm not having that. <laughs> Was it B? A swarm of tyrannocyte pods, so basically the tyrannid drop pod, uh, crashed into the peak and disgorged broods of rampaging carnifixes, causing a titanic avalanche to smash open the command sanctum and slaughter those inside. Or was it C? The White Templars lured the Swarm Lord to the evacuated command sanctum before detonating the plasmic denial charges in order to slay the leader beast and deny the Swarm its synaptic commander. Ooh, I'm going to go C. 
I think it was B. <clears throat> uh, I'm going to go C on that one as well, I think. That's interesting. So two votes for luring the Swarm Lord and one for uh, Carnifix's launch from space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they were all. It's going to be the like ridiculous. <laughs> well, I can tell you the correct answer is A, a non emissary no! compacted its yes, colossal no! bulk. They've just ripped off aliens! They've just ripped off aliens! They've literally just ripped off aliens! That well, is it! Ah, uh, but. I, was, I gave what? all that credit I gave to. No! Sorry, Tony! That's ridiculous! <laughs> that is ridiculous! They've just ripped off aliens! Next, they'll have, you know, a space marine go around in a yellow power lifter. I mean, I think it's or, fair to say that the no. parasite of Mortrex earlier was also a ripoff of aliens. Yeah, but. <laughs> There's a little bit of leeway, and then there's just, uh, you know, that scene from Aliens? <laughs> but yeah, oh, no, this was, was the. Was, <clears throat> was there a little girl that was running around at the same time? Uh, like, not they quite. mostly come at night, mostly. Uh, do, they, do they most. Is it game over now, game over? I mean, how many more quotes do I want to put in? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there, there wasn't a little girl, but there was, in fact, I mean, a, a, uh, a, a lone, unnamed chapter surf who was responsible for detonating the denial charges and destroying the peak and reducing it to glassy uh, to a glassy crater in order to kill said non-emissary. His name was Jones. <laughs> but did they did they? Did they uh nuked the site from orbit it was the only way to be sure i mean how many more quotes <laughs> they, do you want they, they nuked the site from the site it was the only way yeah. to be sure that's lazy but hey this is that's lazy. to be fair to them was the alien the size of an imperial knight as the non-emissary is <laughs> it's not it's not the size of an imperial knight it's, it's the almost. size of a Wraith Lord. Yeah, it's, it's almost. No, no, it's, it's the size of a Wraith Lord. Yeah, it's... Gutted. Uh... <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe um, you'll enjoy question 19 in that case then, Dan. Um, okay. So, uh, at the height of the siege, while commanding the defence of Holdfast, Lord Sola Leontis is targeted by a Tyranid assassination attempt. Which Tyranid creature attempted to ambush and kill the Lord Solar atop the highest peak of the Fortress Monastery? Was it A, the Death Leaper, B, a Gene Stealer Broodlord, or C, a Non Emissary? Um, I'm going to go for. See, my, my heart says Death Leaper, my head says they can't be bothered to write things properly, so it will be a. Uh, a non emissary. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go with C. I think. Yeah. I'm, no, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna stick with my guns. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give them more credit. I'm gonna say Death Leaper. Alright, I'll split the difference then, and I'll go with the Broodlord. <laughs> well, in that case, then the point. Goes to Darren, and Dan is very upset because it was oh, indeed a non-emissary. Oh, <laughs> oh, I don't even feel happy about that point. No, <laughs> I, I feel dirty. There was, um, as part of the siege, they follow the story of like a trio of non-emissaries: one that climbs its way up the uh, abandoned shaft to the command sanctum, one that attempts to assassinate um, Leontis, 
and one, which leads a burrowing assault into the gene seed vaults um, of the of monastery, mm-hmm. um, and ends up being fought back by twelve um, company ancient dreadnoughts. That's Whoa. cool. That, that is cool. kind of cool. But um, all t- all cool. all twelve dreadnoughts uh, get killed um, in the process because <laughs> you know they've uh, they've a, been they've been discontinued from the product cool. range. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's going to be a lot of that happening in the books over the next few yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah. It's like an ensign on a waiting. Yeah. Yeah. All the scouts. First died. it was Yarrick. Now yeah. it was the, the ancient dreadlocks. It's all, all the box. All the box dreads died in the noble yeah. defense of the gene seed. Yeah. Um, but no funnily enough in the case of Leontis uh, he does survive and only just and only because of the intervention of Trajan Valoris and his custodian guard no it was his horse Trajan Valoris had nothing to do with it it was his horse I mean you'll you'll be pleased to know Dan that um, when he is commanding uh, when he's commanding um, at Holdfast his command staff form a trail of um, staff behind him that is half a mile long. <laughs> Do some of them have coconuts? <laughs> Possibly. I was just wondering if his horse was leaving, leaving a trail. <laughs> so all the staffers are just picking up behind him. <laughs> Little bolts. Well... <laughs> Uh, and that that sort of more or less is uh, the height of the sort of conclusion of the story in the book. It basically leaves the siege of Holdfast in the balance, um, and you know the planet is simultaneously under you know fighting back and fighting for its life against the Tyranids, but also the Tyranids are just not quite overwhelming them, you know, and are being slowly fought back. However, we do have one last question, um, which pertains to as a lot of these books do, a sort of significant, tantalising last little tidbit. So, um, as we know from like previous books, how Metallica was actually infected by the Worm Plague, how Bellicor did in fact actually steal away um, the House Raven homeworld, and so on. Yeah. There's usually some um, interesting things that are sort of revealed in the closing parts of these books. So for question 20, in the Stanghald system, a never-before-seen Tyranid bio-vessel is encountered and is seen heading towards the Formidar system and Sanctum itself. What was the most concerning quality of the unidentified bio-vessel? Was it A, it was larger than any Tyranid creature in Imperial records and colossal enough to be mistaken for a small moon? B, it has been witnessed appearing in the Stankhald system via what was clearly a form of warp translation. Or C, it was bearing clear signs of chaos corruption, malefic mutations, and dark biomechanical augmentations. Ooh. I like the last one, and I don't think it's the last one. But the last one kind of has been done. Have you ever read Storm of Iron, Tony? Uh, I am not going to answer that at this time. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so it's not the last one. <laughs> no comment. No comment. It's not the last one, then. Right. 
I'll explain that after the, after the question. <laughs> um, it is cool, that bit, though. Uh, I'm going to go A, which is really dull, but I think it's A. I think it is B. Warp translating Tyranids. Yep. Mm. Can you say what was A again? Sorry, Tony. So A was a Tyranid bio vessel larger than any Tyranid creature in Imperial Records, colossal enough to be mistaken for a small moon. <sighs> uh, I'm going to go A on that one, I think, then. So we've gone um, uh, one for each, is that? Or did you? Oh, no, you said A as well, didn't you, Dan? You were saying it was the, yeah. the big, yeah, yeah, big yeah, yeah, ship. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can tell you that uh, it is indeed A. It is a Tyranid biovessel so large it is mistaken for a moon by a uh, ship augurs. Wow. And they um, can actually legitimately say that's no moon. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, the origin and purpose of the Titanic biovessel uh, remains unknown. But if you give me one second, I'm going to get you a little extract and I'm going to read it because it is interesting. Uh, yeah, so this is actually taken from one of the like little story excerpts. So it is a sort of like little two-page spread that's like a, a like a black library snippet, like an in-universe bit of information. Um, and basically, this is um, it's a, a ship. It's on a, a Raven Guard ship, and it's like the captain of the ship who's been called to the bridge to be like, "Sir, you have to see this for yourself." You know, sort of moment. Report ordered Garyon. By way of reply, Irvin brought up a vid feed. The image was grainy, a deep void capture depicted from the acid-scorched prow of the pinion blade. Garion's post-human cerebrum swiftly accounted for static warping and image degradation. He identified Strangholds' distant star, several of its worlds, long overrun by rapturous Xenos, and the dark clouds against the starfield that was the nearest enemy's fleet swarms. He became very still as he registered something else just off the centre of the image, Something that at first his mind had insisted on categorizing as a visual artifact or feed error. It was surely too large to be a Tyranid biovessel, by an almost absurd degree. Yet there was no moon in that region of the void. Garion's eidetic memory assured him of that. He gazed at the colossal shape, and as he did so, he began to discern details and hints of squirming biological motion that disturbed him on a primeval level. That is not natural to this system, he said. It is not, Shadow Captain, replied Uruvain, almost managing to keep the tremor from his voice. Nor is it anything even our most advanced augurs can make sense of. The machine spirits are driven close to madness by the mere sight of it. That it is tyrannid in nature is beyond doubt, my lord, but the sheer scale of the thing. It's heading, asked Garion, already knowing the answer in his hearts. Formidar system, Lord, said Uravane. Sanctum, the procogitators are certain. The shadow captain nodded to himself, then spoke. Wake the navigator and make haste for the Mandeville point, shipmaster, he ordered. We will risk warp translation. They must be warned. So yeah, it's, uh, it's meant to be pretty damn huge. Big bug. <clears throat> Probably with a big brain. It's a bug planet. And that is our uh, fun facts from Tyrannic War. That was fun. <laughs> it was very fun. 
Uh, and with that, the uh, the scores and the doors at the end. Um, we do have Sharpie with seven points, Dan with nine, and Darren tonight with eleven points in the quiz. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. It was fun. And as always, yeah. I absolutely love making these things and coming up with these answers. And the fact that all the questions are taken from the like in-law information and events in these books, I think it's just a great source of fun for doing these. I just, I just, I think the round should be in all pub quizzes from now on. Heavy metal band album or, or, or Imperium designation. That is, <laughs> that is brilliant. That's my favourite. Yeah, that was was fun doing the research for for definite. So yeah, um, that is our. I say that's our fun facts episode. It's our first one on YouTube. Uh, There are others available on podcasting platforms in our back catalogue. I do plan in the future uh, to release some of the other fun facts quizzes on YouTube as like a classics episode, so that people can enjoy them there as well. And uh, yeah, Um, I want to say a big thank you again to. uh, uh, Daniel, Jonathan, and Darren for coming on and uh, joining me on this mad ride that is uh, <laughs> the fun facts. And uh, yeah, I hope people listening at home have enjoyed it as well and played along. And uh, maybe comment below with some of your uh, favorite correct answers and favorite incorrect answers. <laughs> oh, oh, oh! Before we, and and also dingle the dongle, dingle the do, dingly dong. Subscribe, like, share, whatever. Do that. All those things. Yes. <laughs> dingle the uh, dingle the dangly dong <laughs> like subscribe all these things are kind of useful uh, we we laugh about it but uh but it's true like it, it helps the algorithm it helps other people find the show it really helps other people find these uh these fun ridiculous things that we enjoy doing <laughs> and it helps people um you know discover the show and everything else that we do on the channel and hopefully helps them discover you guys as well um who again uh, we mentioned at the top of the show where you can find all these guys on um, Instagram and other social medias and so on. And everything will be in the links and in the description below. Um, so yeah, go check those out. We do also have a Patreon as well um, to help support the show. And uh, is a, a big thank you to all our patrons that really do help contribute towards being able to get resources and you know, go through the upkeep of maintaining the show and everything so we can do this for you guys. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I hope you. I hope you listen. I was gonna say. I hope um, you three have enjoyed tonight, and uh, I've had a good laugh with you awesome. as always. <laughs> yeah, it's been great. Usual. I've loved it. The fun facts are always my favorite. They're, they're definitely one of my favorite things to do with the show. I feel they're a little bit of a hallmark now of the narrative war game. I've yeah. not quite come across anyone else doing anything quite like this, and um, I just love doing it. It's so fun. And Dan nearly dies of laughing every time. Every I mean, time. They are, yeah. Yeah. I need health insurance after these. <laughs> they're so funny. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have a lie down now. <laughs> so, yeah, that's it. Big thank you to everyone for listening and watching. And, uh, yeah, we do also have an affiliate link as well for Element Games. So if you do want to buy any of the new up-and-coming Tyranids um, to help you devour your uh, your own miniature Sanctum Battlefields, then uh, do use our affiliate link below. Uh, we'll get a little support from Element then for anything that they do sell, and it doesn't cost you anything. It just helps the show. Um, so, yeah. So, thanks, guys. It's been wonderful, and, uh, yeah. I will definitely be doing this again in the future as soon as we have some new source material to work with, and 
I have mentioned before the show that I think we might try and make some plans to do like um, maybe a two-part series of these to go over the Arcs of Omen stuff that's obviously come out over the last year because there is some fun stuff in those as well. I just need to uh, get around to pulling them apart and coming up with uh, fun quiz questions for them. So uh, yeah, I think, that, I think that's everything for tonight, guys. Uh, thank you very much for coming and joining me. And uh, yeah, thank you for having us, Tony. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Been great. Been <laughs> no problem. I will see uh, you guys at some point on future episodes, and hopefully we will see the listeners again um, on the next one. So until then, guys, this has been the Narrative Wargamer Podcast, helping you discover more ways to play Forty Games.